Hello and welcome to the Waking Up to Grace podcast, where we celebrate and explore the finished work of our Lord, Jesus Christ. The Waking Up to Grace podcast can be found on every major platform. And now, here's Lenny. Welcome to Waking Up to Grace. I'm going to be talking about Ananias and Sapphira. What is the deal with Ananias and Sapphira? What was truly going on there? This is an odd passage. It's terrifying. You think, oh, does God kill Christians? Does God kill Christians for lying about money? If anybody's ever read the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the Apostles. These are things that happened, and there's a lot going on there, a lot going on in the book of Acts that we can discern from and learn from, uh, and a lot of interesting things. Getting back to Ananias and Sapphira, what is the deal with that? Who killed them? Did God kill them? Did Peter kill them? All it says is that they fell dead. Let's read. This is interesting. And then you got to ask yourself the question again, were they saved at all? Were they even Christians? Were they even part of the community? It's another one of those passages that talks about the heart. And it can be confusing if we misinterpret this. So let's read. This is not the 1984 version of NIV. I think it was 2011. They redid it. This is what I'm reading from today. Let's see. Peter and John went back to their own people. They were imprisoned and then they got released and they came back to this place and the whole place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So we start out with that. And then it says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And now one thing I wanted to look at, all one heart and mind. Does that mean they didn't argue about anything? Or are they referring to that they are one heart in Christ? one mind in Christ as far as their focus. They understood the resurrection. They understood the finished work of the cross. But I don't think that means that there was perfection. You don't see that in any of the early churches. So the one heart, one mind, that's Christ. They all shared Christ. They all had that common ground of Christ. I just wanted to mention that. Something that crossed my mind the other day, was the early church really any better than what we see today? Is it really that much different? It is different in many ways, but in a lot of ways, it's the same. There was legalism. There was actually believers that were hung up, but they held Christ. They were one in Christ. All the believers there were one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They were living in a commune, basically. They formed a commune. The persecution was, I'm sure, so heavy that they were probably getting canceled from food and canceled from jobs, things like that. And so they had to form their own communes. It says they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection. So they continued to testify. And so there's more testifying going on. And it says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work with them all that they were there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. What a beautiful picture. Communism doesn't work very well in human societies in the realm of the flesh, but the Christians were pulling it off. And that's amazing. Normally, somebody would rise to power and try to control everybody, but they had some kind of thing going. You know, Peter was taking the lead. He was collecting the money. And you'll see that here. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. 
So these guys were the ones distributing. You know, they must have decided this is how we got to organize, bring it to us, and we'll distribute it. And then it goes on and it says, now a man named Ananias seems like a change of subject, almost like excluding him from this, all these people, (laughs) all the people that were one in mind and spirit and were saved. It seems like a very excluded verbiage. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. He's saying he lied to God. And so there's something interesting going on here. Satan has filled his heart. That's not at all in line with what the finished work of Christ teaches. He says Satan can't touch us. None of the supernatural forces can touch us, let alone come inside of us. We can't be possessed. So Satan filled this guy's heart. So if you combine that with the now a man named Ananias sounding to be excluding him, how would Satan fill the heart of a believer? doesn't. It doesn't. There's so many indications here that are just obvious. There's no possible way Ananias and Sapphira were believers. And then when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young man came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Satan, according to Peter, filled Ananias' heart. Many people interpret this as lying to the spirit and God's judgment upon somebody who lies to the spirit. Is this possible? Of course not. It teaches us that fear of punishment is behind us. It's not the gospel. So either the Bible's full of double talk or there's something else going on here. And I think that this passage can only be interpreted in light of the finished work of the cross, the new heart the new spirit that's filled with God's spirit and sealed for the day of redemption. That doesn't get unsealed. We know that. If we read this passage in light of this being a Christian, what, God just killed them? God just killed these people? Or or did Peter kill these people for being bad Christians? Peter's violent tendencies came out. You know, he did, he did slash off the ear of a guard and was probably going for the head. Jesus got captured in the Garden of Gethsemane. So, yeah, maybe he had some violent tendencies and maybe he killed him. There's a theory out there. And I'm not going to hold back somebody from thinking into these things and these ideas. It's not written. Nobody tells us what actually happened. But I personally, I can't picture Peter becoming a like a communist dictator of this commune and killing people for doing wrong. I'm just not seeing that. I think that it's hard for somebody under the confines of free will. I think it'd be harder to understand that God would strike down a non-believer who is filled with Satan. Maybe it's harder for them to come to terms with things like Judas was created from the beginning for destruction. 
It's hard to understand that when you put the free will spin on things. You can't understand that. But the reality is that God did those things. It's written. I don't think there's anything beyond the context in those situations. It's it's written exactly how it happened, and it's true. So God is sovereign. But getting back to the point, Satan, Satan had filled their heart. So they were not saved. A saved person's heart does not get filled with Satan. And I don't think Peter was mistaking here. I don't think Peter was just being barbaric and blaming them and saying that. He could have been. I don't see that being the case. I see that this Ananias and Sapphira thing is as simple as they weren't saved. They didn't have the heart transplant and Satan filled it just like he filled Judas's heart because Judas hadn't been regenerated. He was just a disciple following Jesus. He hadn't been regenerated. This is just a simple example of looking at things in the context of the gospel. So Ananias and Sapphira were not saved. I believe that they snuck in and infiltrated the ranks. And that's why when Luke writes, like everybody was on one page. And then there was this man named Ananias. And I think it just freaked out everybody because it was like having a mole amongst you. You know, all of a sudden you realize there was this spy amongst you, spying on your freedom. Satan had infiltrated this person's heart and was acting as one of them. And he was inside of their group. So I think they were scared of that. I just think it was terrifying for them to realize we had this thing going. Satan snuck in here and we didn't even notice. That's what I think they were terrified about. I heard it said that people were terrified because God killed them. Or it could be said that they were terrified because Peter killed them. And they're like, whoa, what's going on here? You know, there's all kinds of scenarios. It doesn't tell us what killed them. But I'm not shocked by the fact that God would have struck them down because Satan was in them. I'm not shocked by that personally. They were clearly not believers. Otherwise, that wouldn't have happened. It's impossible. All the epistles from Paul especially would testify to that. Let's take rest in that. I just wanted to put that out there. One of a a couple of passages that can come off contrary to what we're given in Christ in our new hearts. And it's not what they're saying. So, Wanted to clear that up, and I appreciate you joining in another episode of Waking Up to Grace. I love hearing your encouragement, everybody. I hope you guys enjoy your day. Amen. And have a great day out there. Have a good rest of your weekend. Take care. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is brought to you by Waking Up to Grace Ministries. You can visit our blog page, add comments, or reach us privately from our contact form at wakinguptograce.com. 